Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready for this rip with Matthew O'Dell? Ladies and gentlemen, what an absolute pleasure it always is to get the chance to sit down with Matt and just rip on Bitcoin and everything that's going on in the space. In this interview, we talk about compass mining, bottle pay, privacy as always, the New York agreement, the bit license, uh, Ben Lovsky. There's lots of great stuff in here. Really hope you enjoy this show. And thanks again, Matt, for giving up so much time and everything you do in this space. Before we do the show, I've got to give the deserved shills to those who support me and the Once Bitten podcast. We'll start with swanbitcoin.com. As, the, as Matt is from New York and the US, you can use swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten to get yourself a free $10 and start stacking your way to financial freedom with Satoshis. Across Europe, same kind of service, you can use Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten, save on commission. These guys are running a promo, so get over there and check out what's going on. And you can listen to my previous episode with Julian Linegar, CEO. Then check out CoinCorner.com. If you're UK based or across Europe, you can also set up there. They are an exchange and you can set up auto buys. Make sure you keep that stack just ticking over as we hit all-time highs. Bitbox 02, hardware wallet, Bitcoin only by shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten. If you don't have a hardware wallet, God damn it, what are you doing? Get one, and this is a great piece of kit. Matthew Odell would say the same. Get yourself a hardware wallet, take control of your coins. Now, do you want to go to the conference in April? April 6th to 9th in Miami, 2022. Matt's doing a lot of work to put this together as uh, we touch on in this interview. He will be there, obviously, doing a rabbit hole recap, I'm sure, live on stage with Marty at some point or on some side event. Get over there, meet him and all your other favorite Bitcoiners. Go and use the code BITTEN at checkout for 10% discount on all your tickets. No, no, Lauren, we're going for no. it. We are live. We are recording, Lauren, with, with Matt O'Dell. Did you come prepared with a question? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's the bottle. <laughs> now you know Matt's ready. Now I knew you Lauren know. was prepared, so I had to make sure I was prepared as well. <laughs> what, is your, what is your question? Okay, so my first question is, are you coming to the 100K party? Yes. Okay. Are uh, you going to be at the 100K party? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully. Awesome. Well, then I'll definitely be there. Yay. I, I, I think in a roundabout way, Matthew, she's asking you for a price prediction. <laughs> oh, I don't give those anymore. <laughs> I learned my lesson, but I'll be at the party. And cheers, by the way. Cheers to that. Um, second thing is, Daddy told me to ask you this question, actually. Oh. Uh, <laughs> What would you get for Christmas? That's a good question. Um, 
You know, I've been pretty busy lately, so I've kind of leaned into just giving Bitcoin to people. Um, I think it's a great gift. I personally give them on open dimes. Lauren, have you ever seen an open dime? No. They're the little, I'm so addicted to open dimes. I have one right here. Do you, you want to tell US, her, to, why don't you tell her exactly how they work? Uh, so then the listeners can. Yeah. It's like this little USB, USB drive. Yeah. It looks really cool. It's made by CoinKite out of Canada, NVK's company. Mm-hmm. And uh, you load it up with Bitcoin. You stick it in like a USB stick and you load it up with Bitcoin. And what's cool about an open dime is the receiver doesn't have to have a Bitcoin wallet yet. So you can give them the open dime and they can hold onto that open dime and it keeps the Bitcoin on it. Mm. And me as the gifter, I can't take that Bitcoin back from them. A lot of ways that I've given Bitcoin in the past, technically the receiver has to trust me. But with the open dime, it's a something called a bearer instrument. So you can just give the open dime to someone. They have Bitcoin on this cool little USB drive. It feels mm. physical to them. Now, the biggest issue with an open dime is they don't last forever. Um, I think like the official documents say 10 years. They probably last a little bit longer than that, but I wouldn't really push it. Um, But from what I've noticed is most people, they'll like hold on to it for one year, two years. You like tell them to keep it safe. Um, You tell them there's Bitcoin on it. And I expect that Bitcoin to be worth a lot more than when I give it to you. And two years later, when it goes up in price, uh, they go and try and figure it out. And I, I actually made a tutorial that is it is geared to someone who's never used Bitcoin before and receives an open dime because I was gifting it to people. They kept asking me over and over again how to do it. And um, I put it behind an easy domain name. So it's just if you go to dump.cash, if you just go to dump.cash, it pulls up the tutorial. It says, congratulations, you just received an open dime. And that way it's an easy domain name. So I can just put it right in the card. You know, I, I put a million sats on here for you. Uh, it's Bitcoin. Keep it safe. When you're ready to redeem it, go to dump.cash. Boom. Best gift there is. I give it for weddings. I give it for birthdays, Christmas. Um, it's my go-to gift. Pretty cool, huh? Right. Yeah. And Matt, do you, how do you buy, do you buy them, then load them up or can you buy them preloaded? How does it work exactly? No, you have to buy them. They don't, they don't sell them preloaded. Right. Um, and they don't even sell them with a private key on them yet. So you plug it in and what you do is you actually drag a bunch of files onto it and it uses the entropy, the randomness from the files mixed with randomness from the device, entropy on the device to make the private key on the spot. And that's hmm. key because there was a bunch of companies and people that were selling preloaded you know, kind of similar ideas like cashless coins and stuff where you had like these gold coins that were preloaded and they be, they were regulated as money transmitters. So then all of a sudden it requires all this KYC, all this other stuff. With the open dimes, you buy a pack of three, I think it's like $45, so $15 a, a stick. And then you just load it up yourself. And I like doing, recently I've been doing a million sats because it just, you know, you make them a sat millionaire. It's just it's nice, nice round number. But if the price keeps going up, I might have to uh, <laughs> come up with a new number. What do you mean if? <laughs> when the price comes up. Yeah, thank you for calling me out of my bearishness. <laughs> Talking about sats and stuff. Yeah. I need my monthly pay. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Lauren gets some sats each month for, uh, you know. Helping out with the podcast. Helping out. Yeah, I love it. Well, well you do more than just help out. You're the best interviewer in Bitcoin. Exactly. If I wasn't here, daddy would be nothing. Oh, 
No, and and Matt knows what it's like to have to deal with a co-host. You know that uh, he's 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 got a tricky guy as well. Yeah, I don't know how you deal with your father. Like I would just do it all by myself if I was you. <laughs> he Matt does a uh, a podcast with uh, with Marty. Marty, um, oh. you know the owl guy. Yeah, yeah. Marty yeah. Bent. Yeah. yeah. You've made owl noises with owls lacrosse before. We need to bring Marty back on so you guys can uh, do uh, some some owl noises. I don't want to do that again. W- why not? It's, I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah. You want to hear Marty's? It doesn't even sound like an owl. <laughs> do you have any more questions? Uh, no. Nothing about Harry Potter this time around? No. No? No. You've not I... got any Harry Potter books coming for Christmas, Matt? <laughs> I do not. Are they making new ones? No, I don't think so. I'm not up to date. Same. But um, we'll try and send some Harry Potter stuff to you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Lauren. I always appreciate your questions. Thank you for answering the questions. Ah, the conference. The con- Matt's going to be at the conference. So if we get to go to the conference in Miami, if we get, uh, you know, if the, the restrictions allow us to travel, to the land of the free, then we will see Matt. So at the, then we will see Matt at the the, the conference. Just in Miami. get like a little boat, sail across to like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'll see you at the hundred k party before that, but you guys should definitely make. Uh, <laughs> he make is making price predictions. He can't help himself. The conference is going to be pretty crazy. I mean, it's unfortunate about the travel restrictions. We do hope they get lifted. Um, but like the magnitude of the event is for a Bitcoin only event is uh, pretty unreal. And I think people are going to be really surprised um, by how awesome it is. I mean, just on the open source side, we're doing a 2000 person conference hall dedicated to just open source devs and contributors and projects. Um, so that by itself could be, you know, one of the largest conferences in the world. And that's just a subset. That's, that's crazy. I mean, we weren't there last year, um, but I heard that that was way oversubscribed, wasn't it, last year? And so this year it's like being blown out? Yeah, well, last year, uh, you know, they had the, the, the 2021 got canceled. Um, and then 2020, because of COVID, last minute. And then 2021 was supposed to be in LA, but California kept having horrible laws. So like three months before the conference, um, we switched to Miami. So everything was like last minute, just trying to make it happen in the middle of COVID with no vaccine passports, you know, no testing, no mask requirements. You can come as a NIM if you wanted to come as a NIM. Uh, so there was all these different moving pieces and like, I'm not gonna make excuses, but it was, it was the venue was overfilled. There was too many people there. Uh, we were really stretched to our limits. So this year, uh, the venue is, last year was 13,000 people. Um, and like maybe it should have been like 12,000 people there in that venue. And then this venue can fit 120,000 people. So wow. we're targeting like 30 to 50,000 people. But whatever the number is, it'll be comfortable because it's a venue for 120,000 people. And it's still in Miami. Mm. Well, we want to be there. Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's hope. But like the Miami conference mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Which one are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a conference in Miami next mm-hmm. m- next April. Yeah, but there was another conference. What was that? There's Not a lot that, of them. That was that was uh, when was it, Matt? 
that was in um like, which which one are we talking about the miami one the big one when, when was that that was in, uh, uh that one i think was june june of this right. year it feels like a year ago it does yeah but time moves very quickly in bitcoin it does feel like a long time ago i keep saying last year's conference even though it was this year yeah <laughs> it's crazy and All then right. there was a couple of good ones in between since then they just had TabConf in Atlanta that I've only heard good things about, but I couldn't make it. I too much traveling. And there's one uh, going on right now in El Salvador. In El Salvador. There's two going on in El Salvador. Is there? Yeah, the adopting Bitcoin one looks better to me, but then there's another one as well. They're rival conferences at the same time. Bad planning. No, it was intentional because uh there's like some shitcoin elements to the other conference. So adopting Bitcoin wanted to be a pure lightning focused uh, conference. So they did it at the same time. I gotcha. All right, Lauren, you done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget what you need to get me from the fridge. Okay. So the beer now or just a little later? Well, you, it better be now because you're going straight up to bed. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> I was just going to look like me. Anyways, so, yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Till next time. Hopefully yeah. I'll see you. Uh, hopefully I'll see you in April at the conference. Yeah, hopefully I could send some Harry Potter stuff to you. <laughs> we'll love that. So mate, how's uh how's things? What's um I mean like yeah, it's it's been When did we last speak? Oh, good question. I should have looked that up. I listened I re-listened back to too. it. <laughs> I did re-listen back to it, but uh I don't know the date and uh yeah, it was a great rip. It was That was really one of fun. my favorite conversations, period. Thanks about a lot. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great fun. Uh, and I will try and find the date, but anyway, a long time ago, it feels like, uh, well before the conference, well before much of the shit that's gone down, that has gone down, yeah. you know, inside and outside of Bitcoin. Um, it but might I want to be early 2020. Did we I talk about COVID at all? It was the beginning. It was the beginning of COVID. It must've been more mid because I started the pod, uh, Feb, 2020. Uh, so then, oh, so um, there you go. Okay, so it couldn't be that long ago. Holy shit! Or did I start at Feb nineteen? Like I say, no, it's just before COVID. It was just before COVID. Yeah. So Feb twenty twenty. So there we must go. have uh, we must have ripped mid twenty twenty. And um, yeah, I listened back to it the other day, and it, yeah, it was great fun. Um, so great to have you back on. Um, really appreciate you giving up the time. I want to ask you about New York, man, because you got a new mayor. And rumor on the street is he he might be pro Bitcoin, or is this all noise? What's what's the word from what you're seeing and hearing and feeling? Well, I wouldn't say it's all noise. Well, first of all, uh, you know, I was a I was a New York maximalist before I was a Bitcoiner. Um, New York was my city. Uh, very, I was always very proud of my city. And um, over the last few years, New York has left me. So it's a it's a sad topic for me. And I'm you know I don't intend to live in New York. Um, I haven't really lived in New York for the last year. I've been just like Airbnb being around and moving around. Um, but me and my lady, we like need we need a home. We need like a home base, and so we will have a home base outside of New York relatively soon. Um, trying to keep it a little bit OPSEC friendly for now. But um, so with that all said, New York has been very disappointing over the last eight years, uh, especially over the last three years, two years. 
Um, so no matter what, you know, our previous mayor was horrible. Uh, this guy, Eric Adams, comes in, he's going to come into office in January. He seems better, but it's, you know, a very low bar. Now on Bitcoin, he likes to talk about Bitcoin, but he also likes to talk about like all the buzzwords like VR, AR, AI. Like, I don't think he said metaverse yet, but he probably will say metaverse. Um, he's probably said blockchain a bunch of times. He wants to launch a, um, a city coin like Miami. Miami has a coin, so he wants to do New York coin. Um, but with all that said, he has done some signaling towards Bitcoin. He wants to take paychecks in Bitcoin. Um, he wants New York to be, you know, a Bitcoin capital, which ironically, like even with the bit license, which is the most horrible regulation in the United States regarding Bitcoin, which is New York. Um, that came from the governor's office. That came from the state rather than the city. Um, New York had a very strong Bitcoin community until about a, like a year and a half ago, until like COVID and all the lockdowns started happening and all the New York Bitcoiners kind of, it was like, it was pretty depressing to watch. Just our community like dispersed around uh, the country, including Marty, you know, Marty's in Texas now. Um, Pierre left, he went to Texas. We lost a lot of people to Texas. We lost a lot of people to Florida. Um, but we had a very strong Bitcoin community in spite of like bad regulation. Um, so like I'm cautiously optimistic on his Bitcoin stuff. Like he's going to take three paychecks in Bitcoin. Is he going to hold self-custody in the Bitcoin? Probably not. You know, he'll, he'll just keep it you know, with a custodian. Will he actually use it and try and do a Bitcoin transaction? Like I'm not, you know, I'm not the type of person that feels hopium towards politicians. Um He's still he's he's pro vaccine mandates, you know, right now in the city, you have to like show papers to go into restaurants and stuff like that. And he's for that. So like he's definitely not for, you know, individual freedom and business freedom. And um, so I'm just inherently skeptical. But in general, I would say it is a positive development, you know, for the city just because it was just in such a bad place. You know, I, I, there could be worse people, I guess. Uh, but it's not like I'm not like the most bullish person ever on it. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I was watching the news unfold and I was thinking, is this the real deal? Uh, or is this just another one of these guys that's trying to, you know, sound relevant, win votes? Um, and then once he gets in, is he actually going to follow through with any of it? But I mean, if he's taking his paycheck in Bitcoin over the next three months, that's going to be interesting. And he did that after he won. So his Bitcoin signaling was more positive after he won than pre before the election. He was huge. He just like included Bitcoin in his buzzwords that he was saying. Um, he even said, like, I want it to be the city of Bitcoins. Like, I, that, what does that even mean? That's not even uh, <laughs> not even grammatically correct. Um, but after the election, he like went at. Mayor Suarez in Miami on Twitter because Mayor Suarez said that he was going to take one paycheck in Bitcoin and he was like, I'm going to take three. Um, so I guess that's a positive sign. Like he was already elected at that point. There, there wasn't really a necessary need for that, except uh, I think a lot of New Yorkers are rightfully threatened by, you know, the Floridas and the Texas, Texases of the world, uh, like stealing our talent and stealing our tax base. Like there is a lot of people moving. So I, I could see him feeling a sense of urgency to, you know, to have a more uh, appealing 
broader national kind of platform to try and stem that tide before he comes into office in January. Cause right now is like the, the middle ground where he got elected, but there's still three months until he goes into office. And this is the game theory we've been talking about for years and years. And it now it's actually playing out perfectly. Well, I wouldn't say perfectly, but I, I, I would say it is playing out. It's, it's pretty crazy to see. I mean, and you see like the president of El Salvador, right? You see Bukele. He's like, bought the dip yeah you know like i know it's a small country but like that's weird and he's not a perfect president you know there's a lot of negatives that we keep hearing about him and i don't pretend to understand any of that because i'm not a local um but it, you know it's definitely not um like a perfect situation down there but it's pretty crazy that we have a head of state doing that we have mayors from all these different uh locales sometimes small mayors sometimes bigger mayors but miami and new york they're big cities you know, they both have, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know about Miami, but New York has a larger population than El Salvador does, just the city. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to watch. I would, I would say though, that as a Bitcoiner that cares about private Bitcoin usage, using your own node, holding your own keys, uh, there is like a middle ground here where like the game theory the game theory that protects Bitcoin and helps Bitcoin become more robust and stronger over time is a very loose game theory. Um, and that's, it's kind of beautiful in its simplicity, even though it's, and that's why it's loose as well. But there's like, uh, they can support, you know, regulated custodial Bitcoin that is like neutered and you don't really have any that much personal sovereignty when using it, you know, KYC custodial asking permission when you can send and when you can't, um, where they could support that and still criminalize private Bitcoin usage. So I, I wouldn't, we shouldn't like rest on our laurels just because mayors are trying to accept, uh, their paycheck in Bitcoin. Certainly not. It's when the real work should start, right? That's, uh, so why don't we, unwind what happened in new york because i think there are a lot of people new to the space or tuning in um just you know being a year in the space might not understand exactly what went down with the bit license new york agreement it's still a bit hazy to me i've read um the uh, the block size war books i was kind of around at that point but not completely down the rabbit hole and i think it'd be a nice kind of thing for you to round out where we where we started how it got so bad in New York. And, um, you know, now, as we see, there's a little bit of orange hope glimmer. Well, the New York agreement wasn't really New York based. I mean, it was literally New York based, but it was just, it was because Coindesk has consensus, historically has had consensus every year in New York. This year, they're going to have it in Austin. They have it in New York every year. The New York agreement was a closed door meeting during consensus that happened between major industry players and they tried to dictate how Bitcoin was gonna upgrade um, and they failed. And that was massive for Bitcoin um, that they did fail and that individual users uh, basically exercised their veto right to those changes and they didn't happen. That was the SegWit 2X uh, incident in 2017. Um, but like that could have happened anywhere if consensus was in a different area, like they called it the New York agreement, but. Uh, if consensus was in Austin at that point, they would have called the Austin agreement. If it was right. in Beijing, they would have called the Beijing agreement. Um, the bit license, though, is a stain on on my city and my state. And that was done by Ben Lawski. 
and I want to say 2015 or something like that. Um, maybe it was 2016, but um, he was the head of the New York Department of Financial Services, the main financial regulator in New York. And he wanted to make a name for himself. And Bitcoin at that point was very often the narrative was that it was used for criminal activity. He said he wanted to regulate it and make it a more legitimate asset and protect the citizens of New York. And he created this super overbearing regulation. He jammed it down our throats. He basically made it so to this day, um, it is extremely expensive to operate a Bitcoin business, uh, not only in New York, but for New York customers. Um, so he completely, you know, just he, he made he, he put all New Yorkers at a disadvantage. Um, and he, he was also very aggressive and his successors were very aggressive on attacking other companies that maybe denied service to New York. So a lot of services just said, okay, we're not, we don't support these countries like North Korea, you know, like Russia, Iran, and New York, Cuba. <laughs> like we were put in that list. They were like, we just will not support those services. And and the the NY, the New York Department of Financial Services would actually go after companies and be like, you're not doing enough KYC on all your other customers to make sure New Yorkers aren't slipping through the cracks. So not only did they screw over New Yorkers, they screwed over the rest of the world as well. Um, and then Ben Lawski started his own, he left. It looked like he was kind of grooming himself for mayor because that happens a lot, um, whether you're an attorney general or you're the head of the NYDFS. Um, but it turned out he wasn't grooming himself for mayor. He wanted to go straight through the revolving door. So he started a lobbying firm uh, to, he started a lobbying firm to help companies navigate the mess that was the bit license. Um, so he created the mess, then he created a lobbying firm and a compliance firm, like a lawyer firm, a legal firm, um, to get you through the mess that he created. Uh, and, and like, keep in mind, like what this did basically was they made the regulation so burdensome that you had to be a big company to get through it. So like Coinbase was able to get a bit license, but small startups aren't able to get it. It's too expensive. So they can't serve New York customers. Um, so it completely destroyed competition um, in, in the industry for New Yorkers. It hurt New York. I wouldn't say it really hurt Bitcoin that much, but it hurt New York significantly. Um, so he started the lobbying compliance firm. And then he joined the board of Ripple, saying he's like protecting, he's trying to protect the citizens of New York from scams and, and, and whatnot. And he joins the board of Ripple. Probably got a huge payout there. And um, now he's on the board of NYDIG. I think it's the board, but he's involved with NYDIG. So uh, he, he's a massive stain on the state. And especially as a Bitcoiner, like he can completely go fuck himself. Like I don't even, he, yeah. There was, <laughs> there was, it was, it was a very dark period and we still have the bit license. So we'll, we'll see if that ever gets repealed. I would, you know, I, Adams can't, unilaterally appeal that because repeal that because that's a state thing but it would be nice if you started pushing for it Man. this is why i don't really i try not to pay attention to politics because i've just always been disillusioned and disenfranchised so yeah uh this is why open source tools and networks 
Um, and Bitcoin just really appealed to me because it feels more actionable. It feels less corruptible. Have you ever met him? Who, Ben? Mm. No, I was like, uh, I've been to a bunch of times where he's spoken and I've, I've, I've like asked questions in Q&A periods. But I was like a, like a young, quiet Bitcoiner at the time during the BitLicense stuff. He had like some like fake-ish town hall kind of scenarios where like he, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to get opinions from Bitcoiners that were in New York and then just like completely disregarded all of our opinions. Um, but yeah, so I went to a bunch of those and, you know, I was... But I never actually, like, I've never shook his hand. I've never actually had a proper conversation with him. I would love to. Uh, and I wouldn't hold anything back, but you know, I kind of <laughs> yeah. doubt that would ever happen. I was going to say, where would you start? I'd be curious. Like, I would like to just, like, hear his explanation for whether or not he thought it was good or not. Because, like, I really don't think with a straight face anyone could say that was good for Bitcoiners or New Yorkers, and especially New York Bitcoiners. So I'm like, I'm curious if he like would try and justify it or if he'd be like, I was wrong. Mm. So that's the natural place to start. What's the population of New York? 8 million. Like the greater metro area is like 12. So anywhere between 8 to 12 million people were basically shackled from, you know, getting in on what is the most pristine asset to this day, you Everybody. can't use most Bitcoin. You can't use most Bitcoin services. Like anything that's a regulated service, there's very few that you can use in New York. I remember Swan were live in all 49 states except New York, right? Then I, New York, yeah. They finally got it though, I think. Uh, yeah, but they, seven months ago, theirs was a little bit different because they use Prime Trust as their backend. So Prime Trust holds the Bitcoin and converts fiat to Bitcoin for them. So Prime Trust is a massive company. So it wasn't like a startup trying to get bit license access. It was right. Prime Trust getting it. Um, but like a perfect example is like Strike. You can't use Strike in, in New York. You can't use Strike. You can't use River in New York. Most of the, like the ex there's a more exceptions than like there's there's a very few that you can use. You know, you can use Coinbase. You can use Gemini. I don't know what else you can. You can use Cash App. There's very few. Man. How and even you... the non-regulated services, like if you're in New York, you have to run a VPN basically and pretend you're not in New York and they just don't do KYC. So, you know, but if, you, if you're if you a naive New Yorker about it and you just tried to log on to the websites, like New Yorker's not allowed. Like I said, it's just, it'll tell you Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, New York. <laughs> Huge slap in the face. You can't be proud of that, right? You just can't, uh, right? That's what I'm saying. That would be my first question. I mean, and, and like, how do you sleep you at night? Are you proud of the bit license? How do you sleep at night? Knowing that you've, you know, potentially held 8 to 12 million people back from financial freedom. And like I said, more than that, because there was all these restrictions that had to be placed on everyone else to make sure they didn't have New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you were an international service, they were going after companies being like, you can't just say you can't just like pop up a warning. Like, are you from New York, Cuba, Iran, North Korea? You have to like actually know who your customer is. Um, 
so they used it to like enforce KYC rules and IP filtering and all these other surveillance tactics to basically saying like, you have to make sure you have no New Yorkers, even if you tell them that they're not allowed to sign up. Well, man, that is crazy. And let's hope that does get, you know, at least scaled back in some way. I've lost all faith in that getting removed. It's been a while now. I will not, um, I will not let myself fall to hoping for that. If it happens, I will celebrate it, but until it happens, I will not expect it. So play that out in five years time when, you know, if this is still a thing and New Yorkers are still, you know, just completely hamstrung to just one or two, I mean, Coinbase, I mean, they're, they're not a Bitcoin company. Let's, let's call that. Even Gemini, Gemini is not a Bitcoin company. Right. So they're just going to be held back completely from the rest of the world, not just the rest of America, the rest of the world for the next five years as we watch Bitcoin go to $500,000 a million. That's why it's, that's why it's kind of frustrating when people are like, uh, you know, Adams is going to make it a Bitcoin city. Mm. We got a long way to go. I uh, believe yeah. when I see it. <laughs> He's got a lot to unravel. All right, man. Where, where do you want to take it next? We talk about uh, Citadel Dispatch. I don't know. Yeah, something less depressing. Yeah, for sure. What's what's going on, Citadel Dispatch? You uh... yeah, I launched that after we that didn't exist last time we had a it, conversation. It didn't, and you're already. I mean, God, how many episodes deep are you now? I just did my forty second. Um, once a week. They tend they tend to be quite long. They tend to be like three hours. So, yeah, um, we're probably over. We're like probably comfortably over 120 hours still dispatch completely free. No sponsors, no ads, audience funded through sats. Through Sphinx, uh, Sphinx podcasting 2.0 apps. Um, Are you guys podcasting on 2.0 apps. People tend to like the best. Yeah. Like, like breeze Sphinx. and breeze and fountain. Yeah. Fountain. People like fountain a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one people like is pod friend. Um, but if you go to like newpodcastapps.com, it lists all the ones that support you load it up with sats, you stream sats. People like doing that. Um, I also use like LNURL. I use my pay name through Samurai, Bit47. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I got a bit tired of the sponsor model. Uh, and to be honest, I was always, I always didn't like it. Um, Marty liked it a lot, the sponsor model. So, like, I went along with it. He loves reading those ads. Yeah, um, he, he can rub some stank on it like no one else. But it's like really, it. the the dream the dream is to just have everything audience funded, have the incentives aligned. So, dispatch was my attempt at trying to prove that out in in the real world, um, putting actual proof of work behind it, and keeping it very technical. It's a more technical show but still accessible. Um, and I've also experimented with other things. Like it, it's a live show. It has a live audience chat. So people can ask questions while we're going. Um, so, you know, it's not edited. You know, I, I, a guest can't even ask me to edit it after the fact. It's already been out there, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun. I'll tell you, uh, the audience funded model is... You need to have other revenue streams besides that. Like I, you cannot like support a family off of that. 
Like, no I love my, I love my audience. I love, I love the freaks. Uh, I love, I've gotten tons and tons of support, you know, both, both through kind words and, and through sats, but it, it is, it is absolutely negligible in comparison to the advertising model. How many years away do you think we are from, you know, turning that upside down? I think the streaming sats thing could work. Um, you know, we need more people to be using those apps as their main podcasting apps. Uh, the thing is, it people want to support you, but there's a lot of friction there, right? So you need to reduce the friction as much as possible. It should be, they should be supporting you with, with sats, but they shouldn't have to put time and effort into it. And they should have to put as little time and effort into it as possible. Um, so I, I think we're still like a bit, a bit far away from that. I mean, let's, to be honest, you know, most of the things I do in Bitcoin are like, they're basically funded by number go up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> it's, 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 I, I save in Bitcoin and my savings increase in value. Um, but it'd be nice to have something a little bit more sustainable and, you know, have some positive cash flow without having to rely on sponsors. Uh, but I'm, we're still working through it. I think, uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of improvements with stuff like Bolt 12. LNURL is just kind of getting off the ground, especially with the lightning addresses to make that easier on that side. Because um, there is a whole subset of users that just wants to, they want to send you, you know, 50,000 sats, 100,000 sats once. They want to use whatever podcasting app they want to use. They don't want to. Um, and that kind of flow is still being worked out. Like it's still kind of, um, you know, support, like donate at mattodell.com. Like if you could just send to that, which technically with lightning address, you can now, but I haven't set that up. But if I set that up, you know, maybe, maybe there'd be more support there. The freaks are probably going to claim that URL right now. <laughs> oh, no, no. I have mattodell.com. I just right. have to set up the lightning address. I'm, I'm using, um, I'm using Fiat Jeff's uh, custodial wallet, Alan transaction bot. So like they can send me funds at mattodell at lntxbot.com. And the way I justify that is there's just not that much money coming through it. And I just empty it. You know, like at most there's like 60 bucks in there, 70 bucks in there. And if Fiat Jeff wants to exit scam me, like I appreciate him as a dev and all the hard work he's done. Like he can have that support. I would donate it to him anyway. Um, so maybe part of that's on me. But yeah, it's been a good experience. I love Dispatch. Uh, it's a passion project. It's very much a passion project. And I, I just, I thoroughly enjoy the conversation. I try and do conversations that you wouldn't hear other other places. So, cause I, um, when I started Tales, when I, when I started Rabbit Hole Recap, Marty started Tales from the Crypt. Uh, but when I started Rabbit Hole Recap with him, like 23 episodes in of Tales from the Crypt, there really wasn't that much Bitcoin only content. And now we have really, really great content. I mean, I love your show. Um, like I said, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations. I enjoy listening to you and Lauren. Um, I really like Max, Max Bit by Bits uh, show. There's just so many good Bitcoin only shows now. Um, obviously, Stefan's great. That 
to me, it was really important to try and build something different. Uh, and that's what dispatch was. Yeah, you've done well, man. And yeah, you must be putting in a lot of time. Because yeah. each each episode, like you say, is is long, like uh, three hours or so. And then you're doing rabbit hole recap each week as well. Plus whatever else you're doing in the space. And I mean, I don't know, I'm assuming you're still running your your fiat mining your fiat job as well at the same time. This yeah, is but I'm trying to phase that out. Right. Because Man, that's, a, that's a big without leap. fully without fully doxing myself, it's very New York centric. So I've been mostly remote this last year. I don't want to leave New York. Um I think the time has come for me to try and go full-time Bitcoin. And uh but the concern to me has always been it's hard to it's hard to be an ethical actor in the space if you're full-time Bitcoin. Uh, because you end up self-censoring yourself because you need to pay the rent and mm -hmm. you you don't want to kill your revenue streams. So I've been trying to do it delicately and like phase into it. And it hasn't been without its hiccups. I mean, to this day, I will hold firm that I've never self-censored myself based on um, revenue streams I have in the Bitcoin world, um, whether that's, you know, paychecks or retainers or um, but my main strategy has been rather than go full-time with one company, I'm involved with many different projects in the space. And if one of them decides to, they don't like, they don't, they don't like the Odell treatment, uh, where I don't cut my tongue, uh, even if I'm involved with the project, um, I'll be fine because I'll still have the, uh, the other, uh, projects I'm working on. So that's been the strategy. It has been working pretty well. Uh, but it definitely adds, it adds a different level of stress because my head's in like a million different places at different times. So like I'm doing rabbit hole recap, doing dispatch. I have an open source initiative to fund open source devs. That one's hundred percent passed through. So I don't even make any money off of that. Um, I'm consulting for Bitcoin Magazine, helping them with the conference, their content strategy, um, advisor for Bottle Pay, Swan Bitcoin, Hexa Wallet. Um, and most recently, uh, I launched, a, I hate the term, but venture capital firm uh, with a, a bunch of good Bitcoiners, um, 1031 VC. And uh, that's going to be Bitcoin only. And I try and make everything kind of work well together and kind of be um, mutually beneficial so that there's not, you know, too much conflict, but rather the opposite. And like, for instance, like the VC is going to be funding open source projects with the management fees, right? And OpenSats is already funding open source projects. And then rabbit hole recap and civil dispatch are providing uh, platforms for projects that I think are important in the space um, and helping them grow and helping them improve. And if then they're an open source project, they could be funded from OpenSats or 1031's management fees. If they're a for-profit business, they could be funded from 1031. If they need more exposure. They can be involved with the Bitcoin, Bitcoin conference. They can be involved with Bitcoin magazine. 
Um, so they all kind of work together to try and kind of just further this mission of hyper Bitcoinization while not having me like tied to a uh, specific like sat stream or paycheck. That's a lot of spinning plates, my friend. Yeah, it's pretty and, exhausting. And then you're giving up uh, a couple of hours a week to come on uh, other podcasts to, to do this, yeah, uh, this kind of thing. But I love right? this. I would always come on. I would always come on for you and Lauren. This, <laughs> this is, uh, to me, this is chill time. This is not work. And what are you drinking? We didn't shill what you're drinking. Shame on me. So I actually haven't, during like the lockdowns or whatever, I was doing a lot of content. And I was drinking a lot of whiskey. <laughs> so I've been trying to be more responsible. I've just been drinking beer on air. I'm still drinking whiskey, but I drink beer on air. But for your show, you and Lauren, I took out some of the good stuff. So I have Glenn Morangi. I don't know how to pronounce this. I don't know how to pronounce any of them. They, they, it's 18-year-old Glenn Morangi. So it's like a really nice bottle of scotch. I got it as a gift. They put extremely rare on the bottle, which I just thought was hilarious, but apparently it's extremely rare. We all love a bit of scarcity. Yeah. And uh, I've just gone with a, a good old uh, Peroni. I love Peronis. Peronis are great. Uh, Solid. I was going to, um, just to bring it back to like the, um, the lightning uh, streaming apps, um, I had Oscar on the show, Oscar Merry from, from Fountain. And he was saying, how can we just trying to think through how can we get more people using the app one, but how can we get noobs using the app and getting used to lightning or Bitcoin? And we were throwing the idea around of um, companies sponsoring either Fountain or uh, one of the others uh, by preloading each new user with a thousand sats in a wallet or something just to stream like 10 sats to people so if you're a complete noob and i can send someone a friend of mine who's never interacted with bitcoin before i can say you gotta listen to this podcast doesn't even need to be a bitcoin podcast right it could be anything but here's the gig you've got to use on this fountain app this is a really really cool app and you download it and boom it's like hey did you know this app came with a thousand satoshis what are satoshis bitcoin um so i don't know i, I think this would be a really cool but way then are we to... just like are we just laundering sponsorships <laughs> yeah i suppose you could you could put like it like the that. sponsor like... is sponsoring <clears throat> fountain and then providing the funds and then the users clicking and then sending it to the podcast yeah so say for for, for example uh an exchange uh or swan swan bitcoin for example right. they might sponsor or like uh, a fold i could see like fold doing it. Or, or fold yeah exactly one of these guys and they could say we'll sponsor you for this month and we'll preload every new user with uh, or we'll we'll give you a million sats doesn't even have to and you know you split that up with, with the next thousand users with a thousand sats does this bring more awareness to bitcoin i don't know i don't i think it's gotta well first of all one of the cool aspects of podcasting 2.0 is that it's just using the tried and true RSS standard. And mm -hmm. it's, it's literally just, you're literally just putting a lightning public key in that RSS feed. It's just letters and numbers, the lightning public key, it's going into your RSS, RSS feed. Now, because it's an RSS feed, anyone can use podcasting 1.0 apps and just listen without paying. So it's an open standard. Anyone can listen without paying. Now they have the option of also sending money. So 
the best part of it to me is that it's an open standard and that anyone can listen without paying and there's no vendor lock-in. They're not locked into specific apps. Um, but that provide that means it's going to be a slow roll in terms of adoption. Like, I think it's just like a hurdle that you're just not going to, there might be schemes where you can try and like, that's not the worst idea. Airdrops in general, aren't that effective. Uh, people don't really value money they get for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might move the needle a little bit. I, I mean, I know at the end of the day, you know, Fountain's business model is that they're taking 1% out of all the stream sats too. So they want people streaming sats. They want to get them in the habit of doing it. I think it's got to come from, you know, podcasting is beautiful in that it's a relatively open, censorship resistant media, right? So like, TV is obviously like completely co-opted at this point, mainstream TV. Um, And then you have podcasting and like pretty much anyone in the world can just pick up a mic. The cost of access is very low and they can broadcast it globally. And if people want to listen, they can listen. Right. So it's super powerful from a media perspective. Um, And people are consuming more and more podcasts every year. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, that would not be an interesting podcast to me. I wouldn't want one. I wouldn't want to listen to that podcast, but for better or worse, they're trusting the people they're listening to on the podcast. They're getting to know them. Right. And this really needs to be a conversation between the content creator and their audience. Right. I don't want to do ads. I don't want to do sponsors. I want to just be beholden to you. My incentive should be aligned with you. And I would love to have your support. And I just think it's early. You know, and I think you just got to keep, you just got to keep having that conversation with your audience. You have to keep being frank with your audience. Um, and that's why I talk about the numbers so flippantly, you know, because they should know too. <laughs> like they, sh- they should know where we stand currently in terms of that process, you know? So like Citadel Dispatch has been, you know, like we said, 120 plus hours of Citadel Dispatch content. And it's brought in an audience funding about one episode of rabbit hole recap sponsors like that's that's where we stand currently um but there's there's big there's big podcasters that without bitcoin have been able to make this audience funded thing work um so i don't think it's a lost cause i think it's just you know uh you you gotta like you gotta build it up personally like the way they did it was like they have the memberships and then you get exclusive content and then it, there's content behind paywalls and then everyone else gets the free stuff, you know, a week later. Um, That's so I really much love work. That. There's so much work. That's, yeah. And also I don't love that. Cause I just, one of the beauties to me is that the information is free, you know, <laughs> don't trust me, do your own research, but if you want this content, it's available to you wherever you are, wherever you are. And I'm not going to put it behind a paywall. Um, John Carvalho's experiment with the biz podcast that he's been doing. So it looks like he's going to launch a company that helps people do that as well. It's technically in stealth and he hasn't announced exactly what it's doing yet, where it's like a crowd wall where like people pay. And then as people pay, like if it's like 37% paid, if he says it's like 500,000 sats cumulative to listen to this episode as it's paid, if it's 37% paid, then you can listen up to 37%. But if you want to listen to more, you have to pay. And then, But as everyone pays together, then it gets completely unlocked. 
it's like a novel, cool idea. Um, could be very helpful for content creators. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying otherwise, but for me, I don't, I don't, I, I can't do that with my content. I just, I, I do the exact opposite. You know, it should be open. It should be out there. I'm going to do it live. You can watch it for free right away. Boom. Um, but yeah, there's like different mechanics you can do. I was like thinking like the live chat, right? So I have a live audience chat for dispatch. Like, it'd be cool if you had to pay a couple stats to send a message there. And if you paid more, it got highlighted, right? We just don't have the stack there yet. It's mm -hmm. like not quite there yet. Uh, but then the content's still open and there's like a cool interactive way. People like cool interactive ways where they like see, um, they see their funding happening in real time. They see like progress bars, right? Like on BTC pay servers, donation pages where they have like the progress bar going across and it makes it like a cha-ching when new payments come in. Like people like all those different elements. And I'm the first one to admit that I have not focused on that at all with dispatch. So, uh, I think there are ways to do the audience funded model. And I think people should be pushing, pushing the envelope in that regard. Man, there's so much work as well. Like um, if you listen to like the legacy way to build a podcast, you know, like uh, email lists, you know, yeah, I don't do farm, email lists, farming emails. Like, no, I don't ever want to do that. Um, what's the other shit? Like a, a daily or weekly newsletter or, you know, some kind of unlocked giveaways. Feature. Yeah, exactly. Giveaways. Um, you do the ref links, giveaways. Mate, I find it hard enough to write the show notes. Harvesting. <laughs> and that's about 10 <laughs> sentences because I just put it into a Twitter thread. I just want to press record, get the content and get it out as soon as possible. I hate sitting on the content as well. So, but some people will slow oh, I hate play. I don't understand the sitting on the content. That's one of the reasons I why I can't it. do the, the crowd wall thing. No. Because I, as the content ages, by the way, when are we releasing this episode? I'm, I'm going to have this out tomorrow. Great. I, I've had people, I always forget to ask that question because I've had people just like sit on interviews. I mean, Lex Friedman has me blocked and I would never listen to one of his shows. <laughs> um, but he sat on Gladstein's interview for seven months. Oh my God. What's the point of that? I don't he, get well, this. He waited till, because Bitcoin went down in price. He waited for the price to pop back up. No. And then he released it. But I just, that would, I would be fucking livid if i was gladstein like gladstein's a gentleman i would i would have just been fucking flipping shits and peterson sat on his app with uh with valis breedlove and um and Gigi, right that that was months and months peterson we had did. to wait yeah yeah i don't know how people do that it doesn't make any sense to me yeah i'm i'm so, the same way it just it needs to be dropped that's why when dispatch it literally gets live broadcast there is literally no delay whatsoever so to get to the podcast feed, there's like maybe two hours of delay, three hours of delay. I do like the most basic leveling and I just press upload. Right. Yeah, man. The sitting on the content thing is weird. And the other thing as well, like with the the the, the ads or the sponsorship, whatever, whatever revenue, you never know when that's gonna bite you in the ass. Because I've seen yeah. on Twitter today something's going down with compass mining happy to talk about it i'm one of the few that will actually talk about my sponsors 
Okay, so I don't know what's going down with it because uh, it looks to me as though some people are still waiting on uh, their their miners to go live and they, they can't get their money back. They can't get any information. Yeah, so I mean, it's first of all, um, Compass was a sponsor of Marty's interview series first. And then they became a rabbit hole recap sponsor, maybe... I don't know. I don't listen to the ads. I'm, I, my guess is like, like four weeks ago or three weeks ago, something like that. Uh, I found out on air, but anyway, um, the, I like reached out to my audience. Tell me what's going on. Tell me your experiences. This is the only way you know about this stuff. Um, and like the best case scenario with compass is that they oversold capacity. They don't have the, so what Compass does is they do the uh, host and mining, right? So it's this new business model. They're doing it. Blockware is doing it. River started doing it, um, and they do this host and mining where you buy an ASIC, you pay them fiat, you buy an ASIC. They don't do full KYC or anything. They do like. It's like KYC light, you know, like you pay with credit card and you're supposed to put a billing address, you know, is that your real billing address or not? But like, you're not uploading your ID. You're not doing a facial scan. You're not doing all this stuff. And they get you an ASIC and then you pick your hosting facility. And they have like the big one that's been causing all these issues is supposedly the South Carolina facility. But like you pick their facility, they have like South Carolina. I don't know which facilities they have, but just imagine like South Carolina, Texas, Wyoming. I know they have one in Russia you know, maybe Canada, you pick your facility and then they charge a, in your electricity rate, right? So when you mine, um, the big number that matters to you is uh, cents per kilowatt hour. So in New York, for instance, we have some of the highest electricity prices uh, in the States, it's 21 cents per kilowatt hour. Europe is supposedly way higher than that. Um, so they'll tell you, like, if you use the Russian mining facility, it's five cents per kilowatt hour. And then their business model is their fee is baked into that five cents per kilowatt hour. The hosting facility, the people running the warehouse are getting a cut out of that. The power company is getting a cut out of that and they're getting a cut out of that. And then there maybe there's some markup on the miners too. Like if you go to the website, the miners seem like they're a little bit more expensive, the actual hardware. But the, the real business model is they're cut in that, in that electric charge. Um, so on the surface, the incentives should be aligned. Uh, they want your miners to have as much uptime as possible because they're making the majority of their money on the, on the, like the per hour rate right? The, the hourly rate. If they're not, if the miners aren't running, they're not making the majority of their money. They, maybe they make some money on the actual ASICs selling the hardware, but they're not making that much money uh, off of that. They're making the majority of money off of the actual rate. Now, what seems to have happened is they sold more ASICs than they have capacity for in these facilities. And it seems like a couple of facilities may have screwed them or they screwed up with whether or not they had capacity or not. Um, I'm getting lots of reports that communication hasn't been good. Uh, most of the reports have come in today. So it was right before this show. So I'm going to look at them and hopefully Compass answers a lot of these questions. I would love to see them answer these questions. Um, 
but in general, this is a trade-off that I've been very clear about um, since early July, since before that even. Um, but I found a tweet from early July, but we've talked about this on Dispatch uh, specifically. We had an episode in June um, where I was anti-Compass and one of my guests was pro-Compass. Uh, I think it was Ronin or Diverter. I'm, I forget who it was exactly, but it was the episode with Ronin, Diverter and Econo Alchemist. But anyway, the trade-off is, is very clear. I mean, you don't hold the hardware yourself, right? You're trusting, a there's a trusted third party involved. Uh, you don't have control of that hardware, control of that hash. The ideal situation, if you're going to consider mining, is you should have your hardware yourself. And you should be able to plug it in yourself. Um, the Compass has recently, over the last month or so, added like an at-home mining option where they give you like white glove service and you can call them up for customer service, but you're actually mining at home. Uh, to me, that service appeals more than the hosted mining. But the hosted mining makes sense to people who want this like KYC light experience. They're going to get uh, a steady flow of coins. The coins are never held by Compass. You connect them directly to a pool. So you just like connect your miner to Slush or another pool. I like Slush the best. And then you're, you're just getting a steady stream of sats that are coming in. Um, and you're getting a way lower electricity rate. So if you're paying 35 cents a kilowatt hour in Germany, you know, you can have them hosted in Russia and you're paying five cents. Um, now, Compass can fuck you over in that situation. The hosting facility can fuck you over in that situation. Russia can fuck you over in that situation. There's a lot of trusted third parties involved in that process, but you're getting a lower rate as a result and you're getting a turnkey kind of solution. So everything has trade-offs. It's a trade-off that I would never make in terms of hosted hardware. Um, I think I've been relatively clear about that, but it is a shame. Like it seems like a lot of Bitcoiners got, have, are getting fucked and are, are, are really upset right now. So I would like to see them explain themselves. Um, but, but like I said, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's mostly a developing situation. I've heard, personally, I've heard two bad experiences, just miners delayed in the South Carolina facility for months. And like, if you know Bitcoin mining, like those months where you're waiting, especially the last couple of months were like primo times to mine. So if you didn't have them on, it could get very, very expensive, and very frustrating that you're not, you're not running your miners. Um, so I've heard two bad experiences personally from the South Carolina facility the last couple of days, um, way more on Twitter right before we came on, which is really alarming and disappointing. Um, but then at the same time, like I, I had a friend who told me uh, last week when I was in Austin for F1 or two weeks ago when I was in Austin for F1, he put a petahash online, you know, I don't even know how much money that was. Like it was, it was almost probably like a Bitcoin worth of miners online, maybe more um, in their Russian facility. It was a flawless experience and it went up in like a week. So it seems to be facility specific. Um, but I think in general, content creators, if you are going to be sponsor funded, you should, you need to be able to talk frankly about your sponsors. Like you can't censor yourself. If you censor yourself, you already lost it. And, um, but that also comes from the fact that I have the financial security that if they stop paying us, Marty might be pissed off at me. Um, but both of us can get through it fine, 
you know, uh, we'll, we'll get through it fine. Maybe we'll get another sponsor, you know, like our livelihoods aren't at risk because of it. Um, but if, if you're not financially independent in that way, um, then you find yourself self-censoring. Self mm -hmm. Then the other thing I hate about sponsorships is like people that mid-roll. Oh, like put it like we're like right in the middle of a conversation, and then like all of a sudden, like Peter McCormick hits you with like, and now uh, some conversations with our sponsors or whatever, like that kills me inside. Like I cannot, I will never do a mid roll, especially when you're driving, right? And you can't do anything about it. It's so oh, bad. Like you can't oh. easily press the fast forward or whatever. It kills me. Yeah. And I was like uh, listening to Joe Rogan recently. I like for the first time since he switched to Spotify, and they don't even. You can't forward, right? You can, really? but each ad is an individual audio clip, basically. So you can forward through one ad and then you have to forward to the next ad. But what's really fucked up is like they're, they don't even, they don't even try and pick a good opportunity for it. It's just algorithmic. Oh, no, it's the worst. It's they just the like worst. drop it in. There's like an ad just comes in like mid-sentence, you know, yeah. like you're in the, literally <laughs> in the middle of a sentence and they just hit you like four ads in a row. I just can't do that. I tried and I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. Anymore. And what's he selling these days? Like pants, sunglasses, and mattresses? I, don't know. I, like the other... I like, I just clicked it. It was his most recent one with um, that guy, the CNN health guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I saw everyone the clip was of like that raving about it. So yeah. I had to listen to it. So I was like listening to it. What really kills me is the Spotify exclusives. So he's a Spotify exclusive now. So like all that stuff that we were talking about with like open RSS feeds, open platform podcasting, being like the last bastion of, mm -hmm. I guess in blogs, like being like the last bastion of independent open media. Spotify exclusive kills that. You have to listen to it through Spotify. They're going to take all your algorithm. They're going to use their algorithm. They're going to take all the ad tech surveillance software, you know, and like use it to see how you're listening, when you're pressing skip, which podcast you're listening to. It's like complete dystopia in terms of podcasting. So I refuse to support any Spotify exclusive podcasts. Hmm. And they have Anchor as well, right? Which I think most of us use yeah. to uh, to upload our shit as well. Um, yeah, and you can't easily move off of Anchor. No, you can't. You just can't. It's so yeah, easy so to I was use. actually talking to uh, Adam Curry mm -hmm. about podcasting 2.0. Like off the record, we were just having a personal conversation. And I was like, yeah, I'm like having trouble putting my public key in uh, my anchor RSS feed. He was like, Matt, like I thought you were a Bitcoiner. Like what happened to not your keys, not your coins? Like you're using the Coinbase of, you're using like the Coinbase of podcasting. How are you not hosting your own RSS feed? So really, dude, we both should be hosting our own RSS yeah. feed. <laughs> and um, we should have our own start nine lab servers on there uh, yeah. you know i've not done that yet uh that's uh man this well, is moving so quick whatever yeah it is moving so quick and uh i will get to it that's funny you brought up joe joe rogan because i was going to ask you here what the non-bitcoin podcasts that you listen to so i've been actually really bad about podcasts lately um because I haven't been in a rhythm because we've been moving around. We don't have like a home base. I've been really bad about podcasts. So I just, I try and listen to the Bitcoin ones as much as possible. The good Bitcoin ones. Um, I'm guilty of just listening to Bitcoin podcasts, man. I've, yeah. I've kicked into touch. I guess touch. I used to, I used to listen to Joe 
I used to listen to Sam Harris. Uh, so Sam Harris was the name that escaped me. He built a full ad-free platform mm-hmm. um, that brings in, I think, like a million dollars in revenue a year from audience support. But mm-hmm. his real claim to fame is that he has a meditation app that he charges a subscription fee for. Yep. And that brings in like six, seven million dollars a year. You're kidding. So there's, a, there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there that... Uh, it's not really the audience funding that that does it. You need, you know, you have to, and that's kind of like what Swan did with their with their media. They're like a media company that monetized stacking sets, right? So like they release all this all this content. I wouldn't say it's ad free, but it's like only just advertises Swan, and then they have. And I don't know if that's more ethical either. I just I'm it's, this is just constantly. I'm just brainstorming out loud. Um, but yeah, I used to listen to Joe, Sam, um, like I like listen to like the BBC world news, like real quick. Uh, like they do like these little news updates. I don't listen to any of that anymore. I used to listen to verge cast. Um, this was like a tech weekly show that I modeled rabbit hole recap off of, uh, which is funny because of their longtime host, Paul Miller, we were like, we're flirting through our, our podcast because he was listening to Rabbit Hole Recap and I was listening to Vergecast and we were pretty sure the other person was listening through it. Um, <laughs> and now he's full-time Bitcoin. He works for Voltage now. And he's, he's like a brother to me. Nice. Um, so that was cool. That was like one of the first podcasts that ever existed, Vergecast. They're like, you know, top of all the charts or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Now I just listen to Bitcoin podcasts. I don't listen to news I don't really care about all the tech. I used to like tech news and stuff, but all the tech stuff is like all dystopian. I like can't use any of it. Oh, you know, like news. Apple comes out with like the newest watch or something. I'm like, can't put that on my wrist. Like, mm-hmm. why do I want to hear about it for 30 minutes? Not going to enter the metaverse with your mate Zuck. So right. why do you want to listen to that? It's, uh, nah, that sucks. And what, and we have what, a lot of Bitcoin only content now. So what went down with, um, and this comes like I'm going to loop this into what you're going to be doing at 10:31. But um, with with bottle pay, there was a big kind of what would you call it liquidity they sold, event. They sold to Nidig. Right. They and sold being advisor. they right. sold being the venture capitalists. I'm assuming, uh, i.e., Brevin Howard, because they were one of the bigger um, funds no, behind no, it. No, bottle pay had bottle pay. The founder had my understanding. The founder had. Uh, complete control there. Okay, I thought it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a VC pushed move. Interesting. Um, there's an all stock deal for Nidig. Um, so any shareholders, any private shareholders of Bottle Pay got Nidig stock. Um, and uh, I don't know the the UK. Like we were talking about how New York was bad yeah london is worse oh yeah london is really bad there was like uh i think there was like 140 different bitcoin and quote-unquote crypto companies that applied for uh the license over there um and like six got through and bottle pay was one of them so uh their team is a very solid team uh their, you know, their their tech stack behind the scenes is very, very solid. The UX of the consumer app is very solid. Um, 
but on the compliance regulatory side, they were just uh, trying their best. And mm-hmm. we butted heads all the time. Like I actively, I mean, they were blocking coin join uh, deposits. It's like all my coins are coin join. So I couldn't even, I mean, besides New Yorkers not being allowed to use it, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't use it. I couldn't send any of my coins to that service. Um, so I think it was a mutually beneficial partnership. I think Nidig wanted to expand their lightning realm um, and Bottle Pay wanted a savvy, um, and this is all just, I'm not speaking for the company. I have to say these disclosures now. Um, yeah. This is my take, but, but Bottle Pay wanted like a savvy, you know, uh, well-established, heavily backed company that's good in regulatory environments to like navigate the next steps, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think everything is aligned really well because it was an all-stock deal. So um, yeah, that, you know, I mean, now that the Bottle one... Pay team, the, no one on Bottle Pay cashed out. They, now they have Nidig stock. Right, okay. In, including me. <laughs> Can you have Ben Losky fight? <laughs> yeah, I'm in Ben Losky's company now. <laughs> well, like I said earlier, I don't I don't censor myself. So I, I spoke pretty frankly about him earlier. Absolutely. Um, so, the, yeah. What, yeah, I never what in a million years. You? If you asked me, if you asked me six years ago, if that was possible, but I, you know. It's funny how these things happen. That's what I was going to say, because the bottle pay thing came hot on the heels of the coin corner acquisition of CoinFloor. So within like a snap of a finger, there's two services in the UK were sold and, you know, off we go to a different. uh... Wait, Wait, so coin corner acquired CoinFloor? Yeah. That was on my radar. Their exchange side of the business, yeah. CoinFloor are still CoinFloor, but they do not have the exchange now. All CoinFloor customers were moved across to Coin Corner. So then, what is CoinFloor now? Well, oh, we're we're waiting for Obi to announce the. They're the a sponsor next... of the podcast, right? They they were, yeah. They were the first. Oh, they were, yeah. They they absolutely were the first sponsor. Obi was uh, very. But they gracious. were an exchange. That's the whole point, right? So they sold the majority of the business to. <laughs> coin corner yep. coin but corner is also british though right it is they are based in the isle of yeah. man so they've got slightly uh, different slightly different regulations uh that that you know london is fiercely bad as you know as you referenced it's uh, so bad yeah. like if you see behind the scenes it's so bad man i know every time i try to buy some bitcoin through coin floor every other Every other deposit, I was getting flagged for more KYC and like you know proof of funds, and it wasn't CoinFloor; yeah. it was the, the the payment provider that sat in between, the yeah. uh, the FSA regulated, and it was just man, it was just. And I think I don't know, I don't want to put words in Obi's mouth, but I know it was getting him down. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting him back on the show and, and picking his brain and, and seeing what's going to go on and, and where he's. Yeah, I mean, thinking. I think in general, we're going to see consolidation in this space. I, you know, these, these regulated companies, they have to deal with very heavy, burdensome, expensive regulation. And what that does is it centralizes the competition and it results in consolidation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, we're just going to see more consolidation across the board when it comes to regulated companies, period. Boom. And that is what we've have, we have been seeing. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that's unfortunate um, because we want to see as much competition as possible and we want mm-hmm. to see the cost of entry uh, into the Bitcoin competitive landscape into the Bitcoin industry should be as low and frictionless as possible so that Bitcoiners have as many options as possible. Um, but unfortunately, uh, regulators don't agree with that mindset. So here we are. Regulators going to regulate. Exactly. So 1031 VC then, what's yeah. the what's the vision? The vision is that there's a whole slew of investor class that wants to put money into Bitcoin companies and support Bitcoin companies. The capital is there. It is willing. It wants to. It wants to do this, but all the the overwhelming majority of venture capital firms are the types that are investing in Orb Coin, you know, World Coin, where they scan your eyes and stuff. Like all the top guys are in there. Like A16Z was in there. Like multi-producer oh was in there. Digital Currency Group was in there. Um, so what if we had a VC firm that actually supported Bitcoin companies, solid Bitcoin teams? Um, that tried to operate as ethically as possible, that didn't push companies to exit. Like a lot of VCs push you to liquidity events, Mm -hmm. that it was more low time preference. Like our funds are called low time preference funds by design. Um, That was there to support you and help you in the Bitcoin ecosystem. You know, as you know, it's, it's, it's Grant and Jonathan, and then it's me, Marty Parker and Michael Tanguma. Um, we have massive networks in the Bitcoin space. We can connect them with devs. We can connect them, you know, we can help them make their product better. Um, and you know, Bitcoiners supporting Bitcoiners. So I think, I, I think that I could be very helpful in deploying capital to these Bitcoin teams and, you know, Grant came to me and he was like, I want to launch this thing. And he, he sold me on the mission. And I think we need that. I mean, the real question is, it's so funny because we talked about earlier, like trying to navigate the Bitcoin space ethically, right? Mm -hmm. And I try my best. I really do try my best, right? But I know like you can't have lovers without haters, right? So like there's so many haters and um, they're always looking for one little thing that they can like try and cancel you over. Um, and they always, the tactic is they misrepresent and lie about it to uh, try and get you to respond on Twitter. So then they get engagement and then it creates a whole, you know, mud, mud slinging thing. The big thing this week is, you know, will the fund outperform Bitcoin? Right. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, that is extremely hard to do. Like, I do not think it will. You know, are we going to try to to outperform Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, we're going to try and perform as best as we possibly can fucking perform. But at the end of the day, I like to think, first of all, I will never ask anyone to invest in the fund. The minimum size is, quite frankly, pretty high, um, like the, to invest in the first place. The third thing is, 
I think we're probably the only fund in the space that if someone comes to us and they have no Bitcoin whatsoever, we're like, you should probably get some Bitcoin. Like this should not be your only investment to try and get exposure to the Bitcoin space. Um, but I'm coming at it from like supporting Bitcoin companies. I, I mm-hmm. think we need, we, we need, we need Bitcoiners deploying capital into Bitcoin companies and the overwhelming majority of those investments will underperform Bitcoin. And that is fine because we need a robust Bitcoin industry. Um, and someone's got to do it because otherwise, you know, you're going to have the A16Zs throwing their money in Solana and WorldCoin and fucking whatever shit sticks. And, you know, the, these hardworking Bitcoin teams, I see it time and time again. They just struggle to get funding. They absolutely struggle to get funding because they don't want to sell out. They, don't, they want to try and do things the right way. Um, I think you're so on that, something. That's why right? I'm doing it. I think you're onto something. I think there's a lot of Bitcoiners out there. Let's say anyone between like 10 to 100 coins, and some people have got way more than that, obviously, uh, and some people don't. So anybody that's zero to 10, just keep stacking. Anyone that's like 10 to 100, if you want to put a Bitcoin to work, are you going to give it to like one of these loaning companies? And, you know, uh, there's some great ones out there. There's some questionable ones out there to try and get a little bit of yield. Or are you going to put it to work in a startup that, may or may not be the next best thing and you'll be a part of something you, you you're contributing to the distribution of the network even you know but to, by a different layer by supporting yeah. that company it's by, like it the way i i view it is like you kind of should view it as like uh it i wouldn't call it charitable you know but like it's you have the potential for return yeah, it's still a capitalist move. You have the potential move. for return, but you're doing it for a good cause. You're doing it to improve the Bitcoin ecosystem. And then if you have Bitcoin bags, if you're holding Bitcoin, if you're accumulating Bitcoin, if you're stacking, then ideally, like helping the ecosystem helps helps your other, you know, your your Bitcoin holdings as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, that that's the way I view it. Um, I think I'm particularly useful for that kind of role. Um, it's a mission that I'm really excited about. Uh, it's really cool talking to Bitcoin founders. I already do it. You know, a lot of them are brothers to me, sisters to me. They come on the show. We talk on civil dispatch. We're talking in pubs at 2am in the morning. Um, these are my people. So like if I can get them funding and they don't have to go to a VC that doesn't align with them to get funding, um, that's a massive fucking win. Um, if you don't want to invest in the fund, don't invest in the fund. Go stay mm-hmm. humble, stack sats. Like Bitcoin will outperform 99% of things. Everything trends to zero when it's in, in price in Bitcoin long term. You've, um, you've made a good point there. We need Bitcoiners funding Bitcoin only startups because if we've got VCs doing it, then the VCs, they're always pushing and cajoling and trying to think of the next best thing and do this in marketing and do this here and we've got to do that and add this shit coin add this mailing list add this you know absolutely and we don't need that that's all legacy bullshit yeah it's short-term fiat bullshit right we're trying yeah support bitcoin companies that are trying to survive and thrive in a bitcoin post bitcoin world Mm -hmm. like that's that's the vision and then on top of that one thing I've realized when I was starting OpenSats, you know, I'm co-founder of OpenSats, 100% pass-through, not taking any money out of that, which by the way, I know people are a little bit frustrated that we haven't launched fully yet. We haven't had our public launch yet. 
you know, maybe we should have taken some, some pass through. We, it shouldn't have been a hundred percent pass through. So we had some revenue to pay people to like get it across the finish line. Instead, we're all doing it ourselves and we're busy and it's, you know, it's taking a while, but it's a hundred percent pass through. For, for, for people who don't know what computers. it is, why don't you tell, tell the plebs exactly what it is that you're talking about? Right the dream now. of open sats and we're going to launch soon, you know, trademark two weeks um <laughs> is you heard the, it, dream it. Of, the dream of open sats is you can donate bitcoin or you can what i thought was really cool is you can like set up a reoccurring credit card payment um where you just give 50 dollars a month it auto converts into sats we hold it as sats we don't take any money out and we put it all into open source bitcoin projects and contributors so Instead of having the large companies of the world provide these these big grants, um, you have like a mobilized pleb group that is like if like let's if you have if you have you know five thousand plebs giving fifty dollars a month, um, all of a sudden you have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you can just count on, just steady cash flow, right? um that you don't have to rely on the big companies to do it you just you know like every month i'm i we're gonna have 250 we're gonna have a quarter million dollars worth of sats that we can give to bitcoin open source contributors and projects um that seems super powerful to me and it seems achievable now one thing i realized with open sats and i've been helping hrf as well and they've HRS been doing amazing work with actually deploying funds and getting funds out. Is if you're a 501c3, you have to. What's that? Sorry. 501c3 is a US tax uh, entity, mm -hmm. a nonprofit, an official nonprofit tax entity. That if you donate, thank you for asking. I forget, non Americans don't realize this. If you're an American and you donate to a 501c3, you get a tax deduction. So you get to remove that from your income tax, the amount you, the amount you put in. Um, big companies really like the tax deduction because they can, you know, if they made five hundred thousand uh, dollars that year, I mean that's not that much for the big companies, but let's say they made just for easy money, five easy math, five hundred thousand dollars. They donate a hundred thousand dollars. That's removed from their tax bill, so it's like free money that they're giving. Or if you're a bitcoiner and your bitcoin appreciates. And you sell some, you're going to get hit with the tax hit. You can counteract that with donating. And then instead of sending it to the government and tax money, you're sending it to Bitcoin open source projects. So people really like that tax status. Now, because of that tax status, the IRS requires documentation because they want to make sure you're not, you know, I hate the term laundering, but like they want to make sure you're not you know, sending the money to yourself and pretending you're giving it to a NIM, for instance, right? So if you're using a 501c3, including OpenSats, including HRF, including Brink, any grant recipients have to dox themselves to the IRS and the organization. They have to fill out a, they have to fill out a form proving their identity to make sure that you're actually, you know, donating it to an open source contributor rather than um rather than yourself or a team member or something like that and taking the tax deduction in the process right so like you have to right. which you know i hate that but it like it makes sense like i mean I, 
we can get on a moral ground of whether or not tax is theft or not, but in oh, a tax is. world, in a right, but in a tax world, right, it makes sense that they want to make sure that you're not trying to skim that loophole. Um, yeah, it is. Um, so what's cool about 1031 is it's not a 501c3. So we can give to NIMS, we don't get a tax deduction, but we can give to NIMS, we can give to ANONS and we don't have to require any kind of doxing forms. We don't get a tax deduction, that's fine. I mean, we don't need a tax deduction. So it complements, this goes back to earlier when I was talking about earlier, it complements the different things I'm doing where with OpenSats, okay, so I'm funding devs that are fine with doxing themselves to the IRS. Um, and then with 1031, any like really hardcore anons that are doing good Bitcoin work, we can fund through 1031. Nice. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. I'm just, and I'm just learning this as I'm going along, you know, like right. didn't, I didn't even know about that doxing thing until we were like five months into open sats. We we're trying in open sats to also have like a non-tax deductible part, mm -hmm. but that's yet to be seen if that can happen. But if, if we can do that, we're going to have that as well. So you'll have two different places you can come into. You can either come in where you get your tax deduction or because I think the majority of plebs, like they'll give $50. They don't care about the tax deduction. I, I, I don't, I don't care about like, if I, if I, if I could just automatically basically like DCA into open source development with my worthless fiat, because I'm already getting a fiat paycheck and with no KYC, besides just like knowing my credit card information, I would hundred percent do that without a tax deduction, $50 mm -hmm. a month. Boom. Done. I'm already doing it through GitHub. I give like $350 $400 to devs through GitHub where they, you know, Microsoft knows my credit card information and it just automatically goes to them and I don't get a tax deduction. Fine. I don't need it. But the big companies, the big companies that are providing the large grants need it. They want it that they're only going to donate through a tax deduction. Man, some confusing shit. Yeah, and tell me about it. with this confusing shit, that's where all the loopholes are easy to uh well they're not easy but once people find them right that's how money laundering all starts you just find well, that loophole talking about learning on the fly so before mm -hmm. i did all of this i launched bitcoindevlist.com which still exists with dennis reinman okay and the idea there was fuck all this nonsense <laughs> let's set up a platform where people can just bitcoiners can fund open source Bitcoin contributors mm -hmm. directly with sats and we won't take custody. We will just give you a web portal. It'll show the devs face. It'll give them like a quick bio and it's like pay with lightning, pay with on-chain, boom, done. We go, if we go back to the earlier conversation about funding content from the audience, there was too much friction. Like people, they like get there and then they get shell-shocked. They're like, which dev am I supposed to support? Like, what, what are they doing? What are they doing? This is too tiring. Like, I'm going to go watch Netflix. And they just don't support the devs, even though they want to. They really want to, but they don't support the devs because there's too much friction there. There's too much confusion. Um, what, what people want is they want like a general fund where they're just donating 
And then they know like there's a group of Bitcoiners that are deciding where that money goes and they just want, I'm giving you the money, make sure it goes to good Bitcoiners, done, boom. So like that, that was my process. Like we started with Bitcoin Devilist. Then we did open sats. We're doing open sats. We're still doing Bitcoin Devilist. That's still up there too. If you want to go to bitcoindevilist.com. If all this nonsense sounds crazy to you, sprinkle sats across all the devs listed there. <laughs> I, mate, I've just seen the key behind your head there. That's the fractal encrypt uh, key. Is that right? Yeah, he gave me this in uh, Miami at the HRF event. Fuck your shitcoin. Look at that. Yeah, it's dope. And that's, awesome. uh, that's not, now there's nothing on that, right? It's not an open dime or anything like that. Uh, it's just a. This was before his latest auction. Right. I Which think went like really well. Was, I think this was like kind of his test. Right. <laughs> he, gave me, he gave me the test, but he's awesome. He's fantastic. And I do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. The auction is going well for him. I, I like well. to support my Bitcoin artists. Do you have any pieces other than that? No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just stay humble and stack sats. Like, I will buy their <laughs> art in the future. Me too. But I will support them with exposure and kind words. I'll expose them by bringing them onto podcasts. And, right, uh, exactly. And, yeah. I'll do that, but I'm not trying to... <laughs> a little bit rich for my blood, especially his recent pieces. They've gone, gone for a lot. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll leave that for Sailor. Uh, and I friends. would love that thing that he sold to Sailor, that big... Yeah, it's beautiful. Like well, there's only, clock there's only going to be 10 of those, right? Or 11, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I would never pay the sats that Sailor paid, but I would love to have one of those. Like it was, it's truly, it's truly a special piece. He had one, uh, he auctioned one at Bitcoin 2021. Yeah. And it went for like an obscene amount of money, but I got yeah. to see it in person. Um, and it was cool. It was really, it was, it's special. It was a special piece of art. Mate, you mentioned F1 earlier. Are you, you were at the Indy 500 as well. Have you been a motor fan I, for I a liked long time? F1. I liked F1 before Indy. Indy, like on the plane to Indy, I was like looking up the differences between Indy and F1 to right. like my basis was F1. Um, but Indy, I mean, Indy was special. I mean, I was there with the Bitcoin car. And we were like VIPs and we were on the track and we had Saquon Barkley there. We had Russell Okun there. It looked Everyone awesome. was looking at us. They're like, what's going on here? We're like, fuck you. Like, fuck you to the PNC car, like the banks, like all the bank cars. It was, it was, it was a special thing. We were, I was there with Jack Mahler's obviously of strike. I love the strike boys, um, their brothers. And yeah, it was fun. And he that led for about 30 thing. laps, right? Yeah, we were like going crazy. And then like this old man that was like, like in the box with us, like turned to us is like, guys, there's so many more laps left. Like lower your time. He like basically like gave us a lower your time preference lecture. Um, but yeah, we thought we were going to win for a while in the beginning. So why F1? From not what, what? expecting, we lowered our expectations. And then he was leading for so long in the beginning that we just yeah. all were on cloud nine. Just to see the car in the lead was, was enough. That's, you yeah. know, it, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. I watched every single lap. I've never watched an Indy 500 my, in my life. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one I ever watched. But, uh, um, but why F1? What got you into F1? F1 is just, uh, so like I'm a more recent fan. Um, they had that like Netflix documentary. Yeah. That really got me into it. Yeah. 
Um, Drive to Survive, that's called. Drive to Survive. But I watch every race. I, uh, I've been watching every race for over two years now. Three years, maybe. Um, it's crazy. Like that, that people don't realize it's a team sport, like the technical level of, of getting the actual cars to the shape to get them there. Um, the pit crews, uh, the coaches, and then obviously like, it's just absolutely insane. These 20 drivers that are just elite, absolutely, you know, crazy headspace. Um, and they can die. Like it's one of the few sports where like people can die. Like they're, it's really proper skin in the game. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it appealed to me. It appealed to me. I got hooked. Uh, me and my lady are both hooked. We watch every race. And, um, that was, I went to my first, we went to our first F1 race, uh, was in Austin two, two weeks ago. Um, and I like to think we were one of the, we, we had a whole Bitcoin crew with us. Uh, like a bunch of Austin Bitcoiners came out. We made a big thing of it. There was like 20 Bitcoiners there. Um, but like, I like to think that me and my lady were like, we like pushed it. Cause we're like, we were like eight months before it, nine months before it. You know, Parker is good friend, wants to be the future mayor of Austin, has been trying to get me to move down to Austin. And I've been like, like I've been making him work for it a little bit. You know, like <laughs> he's like, we have Austin bit does this month. Are you coming down? I was like, nah, I don't really think I can make it this month, you know? And I told him, I told him, I was like, we're going to come down for F1. Um, and we made a big thing of it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool being there in person. Um, those cars go so fast. They go, they go really fast. I love driving. I've always been a, you know, I think there's like two types of people in the world. There's like the people that always go below the speed limit and then there's people that don't. You have the and Lambo? I, I would never have a Lambo, but I just, <laughs> you know, like your speed limit's way too low. What do you, what do you do yeah. in that speed limit? Exactly. Uh, you can't even get a Lambo in a stick shift. So I would never get a Lambo. That's like ridiculous. Yeah, of course. If you're going to have a car like that, you want it to, uh, you know. It's ridiculous. All right. Parker, mayor of Austin, is that a meme? Or is because I, I keep hearing. No, he's actually going to run for mayor. Is he really? <laughs> well, he says if it gets worse, he'll run. And it's going to get worse, so he's going to run. Like, it's like definitely that's... getting worse. Yeah. Like for sure. The Bitcoin community is super strong down there. The BitDevs is, was very strong. It was like, you know, 200 people, maybe more. And like, really, it was like the capacity of their office. They have it at Unchained Capital's offices. It was like really the limiting factor. If they had a bigger space, which they plan to upgrade their office um, soon. So they're going to have a bigger office. Like, I think they can have a lot more, they're going to have a lot more people there. The Bitcoin community is strong as fucking Austin. It's um, funny, isn't it? How all legacy businesses right now are going, you know, as remote yeah. as they can because they all hate each other. Whereas the Bitcoin, like, you know, Unchained are a perfect example. We need bigger offices because everybody loves coming into work and hanging out with 100%. each other. How yeah, their offices that? are pretty crowded. Their team is like doubled in size or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, like, I think he's actually going to run. I think I'm, I expect him to run for mayor of Austin more than he does. Like <laughs> I, I, I see it happening. It's already happening. 
Um, and I think he'd be a great mayor. I think that'd be great for Austin. And then we can leave all the Eric Adams shit behind us. You know, we'll have an actual Bitcoin mayor. Yeah, an actual Bitcoin mayor, a full-on maxi. Somebody knows exactly what's going on and has studied, you know, because he came from the other side of the fence, right? The, the, yeah. hedge, the hedge fund world. And he studied what was going on at the Fed. That was his job at Haven Capital. He was telling me on one podcast, uh, he, he, he went through, I, God knows how many hours of Fed minutes of all of their meeting notes and then came to like the, the, the great realization is like, oh my God, they're never going to stop printing. Yeah. And once you realize that, there's no going back. Everything, actually, once you realize that Bitcoin, all your anxiety that anybody, you know, listening that might be feeling like the volatility and whatever else, especially if they're, you know, maybe this is their first cycle. It goes away once you realize that they're never going to stop printing the anxiety of owning Bitcoin, which is the complete opposite to that system, just melts away. And you just get on with staying humble and stacking sets. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I love Tina like a brother. I don't agree with everything he says, um, but he was spot on making his name like there is no other option. Like it, it is, it is it we're either successful with bitcoin or it's just complete dystopia and i just uh i would be such a disillusioned young man i guess I mean, can i still be a young man man um that if i didn't have bitcoin like bitcoin in the greater open source uh community open source projects um contributors users like they give me hope bitcoiners give me hope without that ah, we're so lost and well, um look at the opposite mate look at the opposite right we you've already referenced it twice tonight world coin whatever the fuck it's called yeah everyone's like, just gonna scan your and the worst part was they were like they wanted us to thank them for it they like had these threads on twitter where they were like this is the most profound project i've ever worked on like we're gonna have low-income people in africa scan their retinas do like a full body scan in addition like that they, they hid that behind the the small print but there's like body scan phone surveillance like all this other stuff that they do to make sure like you're not just faking your retinas um and then we'll give you ten dollars of our pre-mined fucking shit coin and it's not even like a proper shit coin where it's got its own chain it's a it's a ethereum token so they like put this fucking surveillance coin on top of the already hallmarked pre-mined Ethereum token. And they wanted us to thank them for it. They wanted us to like pat them on the back and be like, thank you VCs for funding this thing. Well, I mean, who, this guy, this Sam Altman, brilliant surname. Yeah, the Y classic. Combinator guy. Yeah. But like, what are you trying to achieve? What are you actually hoping to achieve here? You, you, you're, you're data mining people's retinas. Like so it's actually funny. No, it's not funny. But I actually believe that a lot of them actually think they should be thanked and they're making a profound impact on the world. Um, I don't think they're all operating under malice. Uh, I think... 
I won't give them credit enough to say the majority are just misguided, but there are some of them that are misguided. And it stems from this idea that proof of work is an issue with Bitcoin that needs to be solved, that it's like bad for the environment, mm-hmm. that Bitcoin uses too much energy. So we need to get rid of proof of work, right? And that's the, that's the issue they have, right? Because if, if you wanted to distribute a new currency around the world, you need a way to make sure that everyone gets their fair share, right? Quote, unquote, fair share. Now, that's what proof of work solves, right? Because you have to put in energy, you have to put in real cost in order to acquire Bitcoin. And if you don't do it through the proof of work method, someone who did it through the proof of work method needs to sell it to you on the open market, right? Or buy goods and services from you or pay you your salary with Bitcoin, right? Like everyone who gets Bitcoin has to put in provable work to get the Bitcoin. That's either through proof of work where you're converting energy into Bitcoin or it's through someone down the line who is basically verifying it themselves to give you their Bitcoin, right? Now they think that's the problem. So then they start to go through their heads. They're like, okay, well, how do we distribute this new currency without this issue of proof of work? Even though proof of work is the coolest aspect of this whole fucking thing. um, They're like, how do we do this without proof of work? And they go down this crazy rabbit hole of just like surveillance tech where they're like, the, you know, they think in their head, they're like, well, we can't use IDs because people fake IDs really easily. And like, if you talk about like countries in Africa and stuff, they don't have a very robust ID system or passport system, you know, like they're very easy to fake. In the Western world, maybe it's more difficult to fake an ID. Um, so they're like going through, like, how can we prove this? And then they get themselves to like this dystopian retina scan and they think like they just solved world hunger they're just like oh my god this is amazing we we fucking did it we figured we figured out how to how to distribute this currency meanwhile proof of work was sitting there the whole time didn't require trust third party didn't require all the surveillance tech like that's the that the the major forget about the surveillance tech stuff the fact that they're taking people's retinas taking their body scans taking their phone ids and stuff the the biggest issue is at the end of the day you're trusting i don't know if it's the biggest there's so many issues one of the (laughs) issues is that you're trusting a third party that they're actually verifying all this stuff like there's no way for me a world coin user not a world coin user there's no way for an individual world coin user to verify that every other person that's using world coin actually went through the proper procedure but with bitcoin there is we can verify that the proof of work happened it's very easy to verify it, um, and that's special. What the hell do you also do? Also, they had a pre mine, so it doesn't yeah. even matter. And what the hell do you do with it? What, what, like, you know, the people say, "Oh, yeah, Bitcoin's so useless; you can't use it to buy." It. I, I, all right, how many people, goods and services, are uh, accepting? Well, that's the mainstream VC appeal, right? So, like, they'll get like BitPay to accept it. They'll get Coinbase to accept it. You know they'll get like backed or something, Gemini to accept it. Like they'll get the, they'll, they'll have merchants that accept Worldcoin. They have, they have people, they took part of their pre-mine. And if you like live in a third world country and you scan people's retinas, you get a portion of the pre-mine for every person you onboard. So they have like a whole like reffling system built into the pre-mine. I don't doubt that they're going to have like merchants and shit, but maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe they just half-ass it, but. Um, 
Which brings me back to like the the previous yeah. conversation we had, right? And one of the quotes from that interview from last year was, uh, we're on the verge of some very annoying shit. Yeah, that was an understatement <laughs> fucking for the century. What have we had since then? Like, this is, oh my God. We, we had the whole, um, what's it called? The... Uh, Fucking just after the conference. Big clout. Big clout. NFTs. NFTs, yeah. Oh my god. NFTs. I feel like Big Clout was the warm-up for NFTs. NFTs is the the dog coins all mooning. Mm -hmm. Um oh yeah, so that's what it, that's where I was going with it. Is like talking about merchant adoption, right? Dogecoin moons because Elon mm -hmm partially because elon decides he wants to pump it but also because like tiktok took a hand of it and and it was like it's like kind of funny because the founder of dogecoin like hates bitcoin and like hates dogecoin so like he sold all his dogecoin so as dogecoin pumps he's like the only founder in the space where like he actually gets more triggered as his own coin pumps but uh so it was like satirically awesome but also like fucking horrible but anyway my point is that Coinbase didn't have Dogecoin listed. Robinhood made the majority of their revenue on Dogecoin and Coinbase didn't have it listed. Why didn't Coinbase have Dogecoin listed? It's one of the oldest shit coins in the book because A16Z and their other portfolio companies didn't have large pre-mined bags of Dogecoin. Uh, so they like, they like have all this shit that they have on Coinbase that is literally just, you know, whatever, whatever their shareholders are trying to dump on retail is what they prioritized and they had to scramble after the fact to add Dogecoin. Um, Man, that's nasty. So like with WorldCoin, like A16Z is invested in it, digital currency groups invested in it. Like I said, like I'm pretty sure MultiCoin is invested in it. Like all the big names of all the big venture capital firms are all invested in it. They're all invested in Coinbase. They're all buddy-buddy with Brian Armstrong. And like WorldCoin is going to be on Coinbase and it'll be on Coinbase Merchant Platform and it'll be, you know... Like we haven't hit the full annoying shit of WorldCoin. So we had BitClout. Then we have the NFT stuff. The NFT stuff is probably just getting started. It'll probably get even more annoying, to be honest. Um, and then the WorldCoin stuff is going to, I think it'll catch us off guard, which is weird because like we all talked about it, but like we're going to forget about it. And they're just going to be quietly, you know, feeding the Ponzi. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop back up in the future. Um, but it's important to just not, you can't get, we can acknowledge it's annoying shit without being like obsessed over it. And, you know, you're not going to protect everybody. It's important to try and practice what you preach, be as ethical as possible, especially if you're a public figure in this industry. Um, but at the end of the day, when it comes to friends and family, you know, you just got to make it clear to them that, you know, they might make money short-term gambling and all this bullshit. Um, but the overwhelming majority of people are going to be better off if they just stay humble and stack sats. Uh, they will completely disregard that opinion. And they will gamble in all the bullshit anyway. And when they get burned after that, then they'll learn. And <laughs> then they'll move on. And that's just how you have to go with it. And if you're just, you have to be at peace. If, if you're not at peace with it, you know, life is short. It'll just fucking eat you up inside. There's nothing else you can do about it at this point. Like people that think like shit coins will ever disappear. It's like never going to happen. No, 
there's just going to be new ones every time there's going to be a new scheme yeah i think the the nft thing so far the most annoying part of that has been your boy gary v i like i think he has me blocked <laughs> i never see him on twitter or anything right that was just nuts he's like big he's like big in the nfts right yeah he was he was trying to launch the whole um restaurant scheme did you not see that you, 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 no. right okay oh man wow i feel so good yeah i completely missed yeah, that like the whole restaurant buy a seat buy a seat uh at a table restaurant or you know book a restaurant nft you scam. Buy a seat and the seat is the nft yeah so would you have that seat every night uh, who knows man he went on cnn for like 45 seconds did the whole gary v thing just didn't stop talking and then they had to cut him short and like like yeah. bitcoin twitter went crazy that. we're like what the uh, fuck did this that. guy just say he was just talking was that recent no this was like three months yeah. ago maybe so one of my like secrets is um i make a big thing about i my i have nobody blocked on twitter and i have nobody muted on twitter Wow, man, you must be one of the very but few. The great scammers, like Gary, they all block me. So, you know, I have no, I, my block list is empty, but like, I don't see, like, I don't see the worst of it. Like Lex Friedman has me blocked. Like, I don't see the worst of it because they just have me blocked. Ari Paul has me blocked. So that's my trick. I let them block me. I call them out until they block me. <laughs> But yeah, the NFT stuff is, and it's like kind of sad because there might be something kind of there. Um, if there is, it will just move on to the Bitcoin freaking blockchain. Right, we right. Know that. I mean, forget that. But, yeah. Let's say it's on the Bitcoin chain or whatever. Right. At the end of the day, an NFT is like a, it's like a certificate of authenticity, right? It's like uh, you're just you're just proving that something happened by someone. You're signing it with a private key. You know, private key, public key, pro cryptography is like thing Bitcoiners hold near and dear. Um, like a better version of DocuSign or whatever, right? Like instead of trusting DocuSign as a third party, I'm just signing this with my my private key, and you can you can verify that I signed it on this date, and I signed this thing because it's a hash. So like the numbers correspond to whatever I fucking hashed. Whether it's a document. Uh, picture or whatever but it just gets it's just so perfect for pump and dump schemes and like inflating the price and then dumping it on noobs and just influencer type bullshit that it just gets so it's just so inherently corrupted at this point um that like i don't even want to talk about it mm -hmm. you know but like like the idea the idea of just you know having a signed hash to prove validity on the internet on a immutable ledger like bitcoin is a cool like it's a cool concept on the surface and it's just like the result of it is just so corrupted that it's just infuriating all right we, we've done a lot of negative shit over the last year what have been the high points um I, I mean, I've seen a lot of Bitcoiners. We we did we did Bitblock Boom August twenty twenty. Bitblock Boom August twenty twenty, the middle of COVID. 
the news was saying that like people were just dying in Texas. And Gary Leland, that fucking boss, was like, we are throwing this conference. And he just threw a Bitcoin conference in Dallas in August 2020. Boom, happened. Um, that was awesome. Um, I, think, I think Bitcoin has come a long way. I think the cool parts of Bitcoin, the stuff I really enjoy, um, the open source shit, the self-sovereign shit, uh, privacy tools have progressed significantly. The full samurai stack is insanely good now. Um, way more reliable than it was in the past. Uh, the, the lightning tools have been built out. Sparrow wallet exists now. Didn't exist when we talked last. I'm 99% sure it didn't exist when we talked last. It's my favorite desktop wallet. Legit didn't exist. Whenever we talked, I think it was like a year and a half ago, a year ago, whatever um seed signer didn't exist we have seed signer now moon wallet didn't exist to use um like bitcoin's come a long way and self-sovereign bitcoin usage has come a long way i think there's a lot that we can be proud about over the last year two years there's a lot we can be happy about obviously the price pumped you know we're just taking for granted 65k now yeah so. whatever yeah, I'm looking uh, at it now. Yeah. 66 and a half. Yeah, we're, we're almost... No, no, no big deal, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're flirting with I, all-time highs. We're 300 bucks off all-time highs and we're just hanging out like, yeah, whatever. I think we should be really proud of like all the stuff that's happened in open source Bitcoin land. Um, it's been really impressive. And it just goes back, it just goes back to my earlier point that, you know, Bitcoiners give me hope free open source software gives me hope. And after these last two years of craziness, like I think the world could use a lot more hope. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, when do we come out of this? Like when, when does this hysteria just stop? When do the, when do the people pushing this nonsense just, it's not them, right? It's, it's the people that love having the nonsense pushed onto them. That are still just lapping it up. I would say it's both, but yeah. I would say it's both, but you know, Bitcoiners give me hope. And I think um I've I've seen firsthand, like I said, we had BitBlack Boom in August 2020. Uh, I was just in Austin. We had Bitcoin 2021 in Miami in June. I've been all around the country because I just haven't really had a home to be honest. <laughs> and there's a lot of free places in America that are just, you know, living their lives and having a good time and being caring for each other and just uh, being kind to each other and smiling at each other. And uh, there's a lot to be hopeful for. I think it's easy to get stuck in this like depression loop and uh we shouldn't be like naively optimistic, but it's important to see the good things and uh, be proud of how much we've accomplished. And I, I really do think that like even, I mean, we're about to have Taproot in, in six days or five days. Uh, I didn't really think that was gonna happen that quickly, to be honest, I was like pretty skeptical. We had the hash rate thing with China mm -hmm. And then we completely rebounded. We're like back up there now. 
Um, I don't know if the hash actually left China. People are telling me it did. It doesn't really matter. We're back up there. Uh, so the threat has passed in that regard. Some of the hash definitely left China. I don't know how much of it did. Um, I think we made great strides. Bitcoin today at 65 is way more robust than Bitcoin was at 65, whenever that was like March or something. Mm -hmm. um, we have mayors arguing about it. I don't really want to put too much stock in that, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, but yeah, that brings it to the mainstream. Uh, you know, that the, the country's adopting it. That's huge. The um, individual... Yeah, we had El Salvador happen. I'm already taking El Salvador for granted. I didn't <laughs> even mention that in the things that happened over the last year. We had a, we had a country that, that now accepts Bitcoin as legal tender. It, it's mental. I'm, that still leaves me speechless. And like the individual celebrities that have come out as well. Uh, you you know full well the the, uh, the the last question I ask is you know if you had one orange pill left to give I won't ask it to you just yet, and I shouldn't have damn now I've given you uh, some time to think about it. I should have thought about it ahead of time. I didn't even consider it. I remember who I said last time though. Do you remember who I said last time? Oh man. Uh, I do not. It wasn't Powell. No, no, go on. It was, uh, I forget her name. I'm this is why I stopped drinking whiskey. <laughs> um, Greta, no, I said Greta. You said, Greta? yeah, you turned it, you turned the question back on me, and I said, I'd love to see her come out. Ah, you said Greta because it would get everybody, all... but then I don't, rem I don't remember who I said. Then. Oh, man. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got to think of another one. But the point I was trying the to audience make... to go check the tapes. Hopefully, I don't pick the same person. You know, I don't know. Well, the the point I was trying to make is the the, the <laughs> answer to these questions have always been generally uh, like a president or a um, or or a celebrity. I, thought, a, I said Greta. A singer, a sports star, a basketball player, and it, all done, all ticked off. We've got them all now. We've got presidents, we've got politicians, we've got celebrities, whether they're pop stars or whatever. They've all happened. Look, perhaps not the exact person that was picked out, but like that right. genre. Right. We have Aaron Rodgers <laughs> drinking whiskey, talking about Bitcoin. I'm like, he's stealing my shtick. Right. That's supposed to be my thing. We got uh, Russell Kahn. Like you're already the QB of the Green Bay Packers. You're a professional NFL player. Like You don't need to take my Bitcoin whiskey thing. When did when did he get like we don't know too many NFL like players over here. Ago, that so. was right. I saw his, but like he was like kind of half seas, right? Because like Cash App sponsored him. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, still... What's going on with Manning? Is he ever gonna just like go Bitcoin only, or is he just gonna keep flirting with the shit coins and NFTs? Brady. Brady, excuse me, not Manning. Brady. Yeah. There's two Mannings, and neither of them have been orange pilled yet. All right. One of the Mannings was my Manning because he was the New York QB and the other one was the Indianapolis QB. Uh -huh. um, but Brady is going to keep shit going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's the FTX guy. He's going to be in a Super Bowl commercial. That's pretty cool. Uh -huh. I don't know if it's like that cool, but it's just funny because like big corners have been talking about a Super Bowl commercial forever. And then we're finally going to get a Super Bowl commercial. And we're all going to be triggered by it. Because it's going to be an FTX ad. So it's going to be, it'll be high quality, but it's going to be like trade crypto. So FTX or what? They're just like a platform for trading anything? FTX is like a better version of Binance. Okay. 
So I would say to me, you know, Gemini, Coinbase, FTX, Binance, they're all shitcoin casinos, mm -hmm. right? But for whatever reason, I just, I like, I like, like Binance and FTX more because I feel like they're more uh, rebellious, you know, they're like more like firebrand types. And I would say FTX is like, they learn from Binance and they are a better Binance. Not necessarily that they'll give you a better service or whatever. I just think like SBF, um, the founder of, of FTX just executes better than CZ does. He's just, he's a hustler. He gets shit done. He's, I think he's the richest person under 30 years old. Um, he's got a massive Bitcoin bag. I mean, he does a lot of shit coining, you know, but, uh, <laughs> and he like gets people into leveraged FTX trades and stuff. He's a trader at heart, but he gets shit done. So there's, there's some, there's some respect there that doesn't exist with like the Gemini's and the Coinbase's of the world. Mm -hmm. the, I but anyway, he's spending a shit ton of money. He sponsored FTX sponsored, uh, the arena in Miami, the sports arena in Miami, it's FTX arena. And they got Tom Brady now. Um, yeah. They're, uh, they're spending money. Like it's like it's water. No, I, I, I don't even know if that's an expression. Of course it is. They're spending money like crazy. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone. I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> you gave me a chance. You gave me a chance to think about it. And I just couldn't even, did I say Trump last time? I don't even know uh, what I said last time. Um, you could have done, man. Yeah, was Trump Trump was president when we spoke? Yeah, last. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is quick. I only listened back to the, the this episode a couple of weeks back. I this is how we set this up, right? Because I I DM'd you and said I've just listened back to this app. It was awesome. We've got it was a great conversation. We've got to do another rip. But it's already escaped me who you are. Uh, I remember whoever I picked, I was like upset about it afterwards because like I didn't pick. Oh, we got a blank canvas. I should have I th should have thought of someone different. So I don't remember who I picked last time, but I know I immediately thought of someone better afterwards. And I don't think I can't think of that person now. I actually asked um, uh, Jack Mallers this question on Safer Dean's podcast the other day, and Safer Dean's not dropped it yet. So I've never had a chance to speak to Jack. But what the way Safer Dean does his podcast is uh, there's usually around 15 or 20 of us on the Zoom call at the same time, just watching the whole thing really? live. Yeah. So Safe does his podcast with his guest. And um, there's if you're a member of SaferDean.com, you can just be a fly on the wall on the podcast. And then okay, it's like where we're talking about the membership model. Yeah. You can watch it live and then it gets released later to everybody. Exactly. Else. But you can also interact. So I got to ask the question uh, to Jack. So, but, uh, and is that on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. It'll be the next one to drop. I wonder what he picked. No, you gotta, you're going to have to tune in. I can't, uh, I can't give any spoilers. I'm going to have to tune in. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Um, who would I orange pill? I could only orange pill one person. Fuck the politicians. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of evil people you can orange pill and have a lot of success with. But why would you want to do that? Uh, I would say...
And you said Greta last time. Mm-hmm. That's what you said, not me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This is a horrible question. Uh, if I could orange pill one, if I could orange pill one person, <laughs> I take it so seriously because I, I remember being upset with my decision last time. I think I probably just said Trump. I think that was easy. I because I in my head I keep saying to myself like Biden would be an easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, it would take a lot of pressure off of us if we could just orange pill him. Like, you know, let's go Brandon. But like I, we that would that would obviously help us um but fuck him no he can he can have fun staying poor uh if i could orange pill anybody i would orange pill I have no idea. <laughs> Are you going to sit here with me while I think about it? <laughs> Is the whole audience going to sit? I'm just going to wait till everyone signs off of the podcast while I, while I think about it. And you're going to have to go to bed really late. Um, if I could orange pill anybody, it would be the prime minister of Australia. Mm-hmm. That's a- But like full sovereignty Bitcoin orange pill. That's a country that needs help right now. Yeah, I just feel like I just I feel like our boys in Australia just could use the help. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to them. I don't even know who their prime minister is. So right, I can't. Boom. No, I, the name is escaping this me. This one's as well. for you, Katan. Yeah, exactly. I, Katan, I, know, I know. I know you need the help. Katan definitely needs the help. But the good news out of Australia recently was uh, CBA Commonwealth Bank of Australia have put Bitcoin yeah, on their like app. Kind of like if I if we're talking about orange pilling, like. Hold your own keys, yep. use coin join, use your everything own you know, like, everything you I'm, know about Bitcoin and your boom, whole Prime Minister Australia. There you go. Switch flip it. Everything gets flipped. That would be perfect. They need it. I'll give it to them. And as you were thinking, Bitcoin Bitcoin just pumped right in that right in that uh There you go. And we're we're just sixty bucks away. Sixty bucks away from breaking uh, all time high. Doesn't matter. Really doesn't. It's just another, just another number. Keep stacking. Exactly. All right, Matt. Well, is there anything else you wanted to rip on before we uh, close this one down? No, I truly enjoyed it. Um, thank you for having me again. Uh, it, it was, it was really my pleasure. Um, you and your daughter Lauren are amazing. I look forward to meeting you in person, hopefully soon, and. Uh, and her as well and lauren obviously i i look forward to meeting laura and i hope she brings you with with her yeah of course um we- and keep keep doing you man like honestly i have so much respect for what you do and uh you're one of the podcasters in bitcoin that like they give it, you give me peace that like i could just walk away tomorrow and i know you're going to still be doing your thing so <laughs> uh thank you for everything you do and thank you for having me and uh much love to your audience. I hope everyone just stays humble and stacks sats because it's going to get pretty fucking crazy over the next uh, couple months. Definitely. Over the next six to nine months, it's going to be uh, pretty amazing Christmas period. And then leading up to the conference, which, uh, yeah, we hope to be there, mate. So if we do make it over, then you'll get to meet myself and Lauren in person and the other three kids and my wife because we'd all come and, Fuck yeah. and hang out. So. Looking forward to it. 
All right, brother. Well, have a great evening. Thank you so much. It got a little bit late, so uh, sorry for keeping you up, but uh, it's been a great rip. It's later by you. Thank you. Cheers, man. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And Matt, a huge thanks again for coming on the show and giving up all of this time to go down these different rabbit holes that uh, we explored during this conversation. Really hope to get to meet you very soon, mate. Fingers crossed, everything turns out. Uh, if not the next year, then the year after, I'm sure. It's just bound to happen. And listeners, I hope you made it to the end there. I left that very long pause in for effect as Matt was trying to think of his orange pill and who to give that to. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can go back and listen to the tapes and find out who his original answer was and let him know. Hit him up on Twitter. Make sure you're following him if you're not already. Uh, Really enjoy the banter on Twitter and uh, all the fun that we have out there talking about Bitcoin and everything that's going on in the space as well. Before we finish this episode, I just want to give a shout out to the show sponsors. That's swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten in the US. Across Europe, Relay, R-E-L-A-I ch forward slash bitten you can also check out coincorner.com they have the uk exchange in the isle of man that is helping you guys auto buy and stack sets and of course if you're not using a hardware wallet please can you make sure you get one if it's not the bitbox 02 by shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten That will save you 5%. Just make sure you get another one. Just get a Bitcoin hardware wallet and put your coins on there. And if you want to go to the conference, go to the link in the show notes or head over to their website and use the code BITTEN at checkout to save 10% on all your purchases. Catch you on the next show.